When a forest burns down, things look apocalyptic. But from the ashes comes the next wave, brimming with new and stronger life. This is Wildfire, the B2B Under 30 podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. Here, B2B's youngest stars shine and share the passion that is setting fire to their industries and taking them to the top. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and on today's sports and entertainment episode of Wildfire, we are joined by Allie Lindsay, a music publicist for DK Projects. Allie has noticed an interesting problem in music PR. People are moving away from blogs as their one-stop shop for new music and are going to social media and curated streaming playlists instead, looking for the freshest finds among the content they love. Ali, it's so great to reconnect after not speaking since sixth grade in middle school. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been quite a long time, but uh, we're both doing really cool creative stuff. So I'm happy to be here and happy to reconnect on such creative and professional terms. I know, yeah. Always cool to always cool to touch base with people and see what they're doing with their lives. And I'd have to agree, you're definitely living the dream right now as a aspiring musician myself, being able to just live and work in the space must be so wonderful. Yeah, it really is um, my dream job. I'm super, super lucky that um, I have the opportunity to do what I do. Um, I never played an instrument growing up. Um, Music always was a really a guiding force of my life, though. So I feel really blessed to be able to be part of it um, in some way. Yeah, for sure. So that's where I wanted to actually start the conversation is you know, getting into the music industry is hard. I mean, like, like, especially just as an artist, making it happen and living off of your art is really tough. But being in the space in general is cool. And the fact that you're in there as a publicist and as a writer is is just super, super interesting. So I want to know, yeah, what was that progression like? How did you even find yourself doing music writing? Is that something you wanted to do since you were little? Um, not necessarily. Um, I, I've loved writing since I can remember how to write. When I was six and seven years old, I was writing like short stories about, and they were really kind of intellectual concepts. I wrote this whole, I wrote like a 10 page paper, basically a short story when I was probably seven or eight years old about two kids who um, were at a baseball stadium. I think it was like Wrigley Field and it was haunted and all this crazy stuff was happening at the field and all the patrons um, didn't know what was going on, but only these two kids knew, and they had to communicate with the ghost to like get him to like get away from Wrigley Field, and it was a really kind of drawn out thing. And I used to do stuff like that growing up, and um, I knew I was always pretty good at writing. I was never really good at math, never really good at science, but writing was always a strong suit for me. Um, and then when I got to college, I was a PR major, and I knew that I wanted to do, I always said I wanted to do PR and music, but I had no idea what that looked like. I had no idea what it meant. Um, but I, I that just sounded like cool to me and sounded like something I felt like I might be good at. Then um, I got kind of involved in the Austin local music scene. I had a lot of friends who were playing in local bands, um, doing all kinds of really cool stuff in the really thriving local scene of Austin. 
And um, kind of just by being around that for a while, I got an opportunity to write for a local publication that covered local music. And um, I started writing for them. I did that for about probably over a year. I started curating all of our events for them. I started doing some like artist licensing work. Then um, I moved on from that and I was actually working for a local music festival based out of Austin, which then led me to South by Southwest, where I met sort of like um, a more top tier blog, I guess you would say, or has kind of more of a following on a national level. Nice. Um, kind of just hit it off with them. And the dominoes kind of fell from there. And that's how I ended up meeting my boss was through that blog. So it was kind of a series of like good fortune, um, hard work, and just kind of like random happenings that worked out in my favor, which I kind of think is how it works out for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like hard work really, I mean, it's the basis of everything, but to a degree, it only gets you so far. Like you gotta, you gotta just sort of toss one up and be like, let's yeah. hope that, uh, let's hope that I meet that great connection. And I mean, yeah, it sounds like it, it worked out in your favor, which is the best. Yeah. And I'm a pretty social person. And when I'm around music and people enjoying music, um, I want to just talk to everyone around me. I want to know where they come from. I want to know why they're there, who their favorite artist is. Um, so I kind of find myself starting those conversations a lot. Um, and they kind of just end up leading me to really great people a lot of the time. So I think that had a lot to do with me getting into the music industry was kind of just me talking too much and <laughs> being social and like really loving to dance and really just like getting to know people. I think that was kind of a huge factor in it too. Well, and I feel like that must set you apart too, that you just love the space. And I mean, I feel like to be in the music industry and to work in it, you have to really enjoy what you're listening to and what you're doing. But if it came so naturally and you just wanted to learn about people and learn their story and talk about the great music they're making, then writing for music must have just felt like the perfect venue. Yeah, and I say this to people a lot, um, and it sounds really weird and it's hard to convey, and I don't really know if I've ever been able to do it justice, but when I'm at a concert or even when I'm just sitting alone in a park and thinking, the way that I process life happening around me streams through my head like a sentence. Um, it's really difficult to explain, but I just process everything as a sentence. So whenever it comes down to uh, materializing it and putting the pen to the paper, it's already there. It just kind of comes down to editing it and um, dotting my eyes, crossing my T's, adding in commas, taking them out. So... Um, that kind of, that makes it easy for me. You know, it's not something that I have to sit and think, oh, like, how can I make this work? How, like, well, how can I convey this the best way that I can? For me, it just, um, it kind of just happens. And it, it's been like that my whole life. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm definitely a little jealous. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a phenomenon, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a sage, a new, a new prophet <laughs> in our era. <laughs> not quite, but, um, I'm Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Is, is fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. All right. So you've been writing in the scene for how long now? I guess I'm coming up on three years. Awesome. And since you've been in the scene, um, you know, what kind of issues have you seen there? I feel like, I feel like with music writing, 
what I've seen is the XXL freshman list kind of side of things where everything mm-hmm. is just hyping up what people think is hype and mm-hmm. missing out a lot on telling those authentic underground stories. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of underground blogs out there, but the big namers, uh, I think, you know, like Rolling Stones mag isn't really putting out like the authentic music writing pieces yeah. that, that I think could be, you know, like like people aren't utilizing their platform, right? So what what okay. have you seen? What have you seen? Um, I totally agree with everything that you just said. I have found I spent um, a good fraction of my day yesterday on Spotify, just looking up new music, um, finding new artists, and I found some incredible bands and artists. Um, I found a, a band called Slender Bodies. I found a band, um, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, I think they're called Opre. It's A-P-R-E, and I looked up both of their social media accounts. They have like 2,000 followers, but they're making this music that is like, formidable and like awesome just like robust and like just badass music that um it's kind of ahead of the curve I think and yeah I think a lot of that kind of gets overlooked um especially in those high tier publications like the Rolling Stone and even like the Fader and Complex and Consequence of Sound like they're really you know they are highlighting some some smaller acts but um, I think there is um, a huge gap in between these A-list artists and people who are on their way to being an A-list artist. You know, not even bottom tier, like someone who's just like recording in their closet, but like, you know, artists who are doing really great things but aren't really getting the support that they that they deserve. And I mean, I feel like that's the hardest part of being a musician is finding the right lane to get your stuff out there uh it's it's so difficult and i mean besides just making good music which is the core of everything like yeah if you're pumping out good stuff hopefully you'll get recognized for it but i think a lot of the a lot of the success of these artists really comes down to the pr firms and the publicists that are out there doing the hard work with the with the platforms to kind of help put people on if they're doing quality stuff. And, and yeah, I mean, how, how do you see the focus right now in the industry um, PR wise? Like how, how are people trying to market these newer bands and maybe where are they missing the mark? Um, so I am lucky that I get to work with, um, a great group of people, my team, uh, David Kim Projects, it's my boss, um, two other girls, and um, we have an intern named Sam. He's incredible, too. Um, I love working with them. I'm really grateful for their creativity, for their really forward thinking in the music industry. Um, we're really trying to push boundaries. And not only do I get to work with my team as publicists closely, but I get to work with um, other publicists, too. And, you know, Granted, we are technically in competition. Being able to talk to them and hear their strategy and kind of gauge their approach in doing it is really helpful. So I have a really, really great network of people who I think we're all kind of working towards a similar goal and we're all kind of bouncing ideas off of each other as these days go by. But I think um, one of the biggest criticisms in music PR right now is that blogs are dying. Um, and that is 
kind of what PR and music publicists have been doing for you know, the last five years. And there's been a huge shift in blog culture into like streaming culture. Hmm. And so like, for example, whenever I am releasing a song, it's my job to find a publication or a platform that will premiere the song. And then after that, it's my job to get 10 to 15 other publication placements that are talking about it. We're running interviews, um, any kinds of like edit- creative editorial um, content, we're pushing that to 10 to 15 different blogs or publications per track. But the problem with that is that, at least for me, and I think for a lot of my peers, we're not waking up in the morning and going to airmilk.com, right. the latest premieres, to find a new song. They're going to have great music on there, and you will find good music there. But... Um, it's that's just really not how people are finding music today. So a lot of the shift has been going towards like official Spotify playlisting. So when you go to your homepage on Spotify, you see these like official curated watermarked Spotify playlists, like fresh finds or crate diggers or like, you know, like study chill or like whatever. Right. But those have like millions of followers. And that means that millions of people are tuning into that daily and those playlists are getting updated every single week. So um, a lot of publicists are trying to kind of start building relationships with the people behind those playlists, getting uh, securing spots for their clients on those. Um, I'm also trying to kind of, uh, there's been this thing that's been going through my head a lot lately that publicity is only a small part of PR. And... PR to me is is basically the bridge between a brand and the public. And the brand in this case is um, the song or the EP or the album and the artists themselves. And it's so much more than just getting people to talk about it. It's about building a brand. It's about partnering that brand with other brands. Getting in, like Instagram and social media influencers involved in the campaign. Um, doing those Spotify playlistings, um, getting them on like interviews where they can see their faces. Um, so right now I think there's a wave that's about to break, um, in music PR and I'm doing everything I can to get ahead of it before it breaks because I just, I want to change the way that people view PR. People are saying that it's a dying art form and that artists don't need to hire publicists or PR firms. And while that might be true with some artists, um, I think that there's a lot of value in PR. And I think that's something that myself and my team um, puts a lot of emphasis on. And it doesn't happen overnight, but we are trying to do things that extend beyond this. Just release a song, get it on 10 blogs and call it a day. We're really trying to get into the minds of music consumers. Well, it's really interesting that the music industry, at least on the blog side, has been I guess a little slower to flip um, sort of the way people consume things because I think we're seeing it literally everywhere. Everyone wants their personalized content immediately. And I mean, we see it on Netflix. You want to toss something on, you just mm-hmm. pull it up. Boom. I mean, we, we, we see it um, on a business side. I mean, people are yeah. like, like retailers and e-commerce and all this kind of stuff. But on the music side, yeah, I guess bloggers, have been focused on just that blogging and 
like you said, people don't really want to wait for someone to tell them what's new. They want to be able to hop on their favorite streaming site and tap into the curated playlist that is like, oh, check it out. I can browse and find my own new artists. So mm. that presents a really difficult situation for these artists that, you know, the the write-up isn't enough anymore. And I think it's just content branding in general. Like people need to be putting out interesting content besides their music that people are going to be able to relate to. And I think that's where PR steps in. You have a, a publicist that can mm-hmm. help you curate, hey, let's, let's partner you with this brand and let's get you in this clothes because that's going to really help send this kind of message. And then maybe we'll hick, uh, hook you up on an interview with whatever, Masked Gorilla and, yeah. and, and do a podcast. Like all all that kind of stuff that maybe an artist might not think about immediately because they focus more on the craft, which, you know, has to be good in the first place. You got to make sure you have solid music or else this isn't going to go anywhere. But if the music is good, then it's like, well, why isn't anyone listening to my stuff? Yeah. Right. And I think that goes back to I see DJ Booth say this a lot, but like mm-hmm. SoundCloud is dead like that. Like people aren't even people like when people say, oh, you know, pay me 10 bucks for a SoundCloud yeah. repost. We we have a, a thousands of listeners. It's like, really? Do you like who actually gets on SoundCloud to listen to new music like that? It's, it's just not I don't know. Things are evolving quickly. Yeah, they are evolving quickly. And um, I don't I don't want to put the the pressure to evolve faster on the curators and the content creators I want to put it on myself yeah and I want to make it happen myself and I as a journalist as well a music journalist um it's kind of easy for me to see you know both sides of the same coin so it's it's definitely helpful for me that I I have a couple of different perspectives but yeah I mean you you really you nailed it um there we're just living in an age where Media consumption is very visual and very rapid fire. And um, I think a lot of writers and bloggers are kind of so used to, you know, waking up, pulling up WordPress, writing an article, practicing that craft, you know, of writing. Um, They get kind of just into the flow of that. And so it's kind of hard to sort of like mass transition from all journalists and all content creators into something that's a little bit more... I don't want to say millennial, but like something that's just um, more up to speed with the way that our generation is consuming uh, media and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Millennial is such like a taboo word now. And so is content yeah. creator. Isn't everyone a content creator? It's so- I love it. <laughs> I I think it's so funny. I know. It's kind of weak in a, in a way. Like I got to come up with a new word to describe myself. Like yeah, I, you know how on Google you can type in a word and it'll show you how the usage has gone up over the years? Yeah. I almost did that with the word content because I think that word since like 2016 has probably gone up exponentially. It's all about the content, you know? Yeah. Ha- content. Hashtag content. Yeah. Seriously. That's so funny. Um. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So next thing I wanted to hit on is I think we kind of laid out the groundwork for things are changing quick in the way mm-hmm. people access their music. Um, but I think in sort of the way people present themselves in the music industry, it really directly relates to the fact that we're just so connected in general with social media and everything. Like you see people opening up a lot more to their mm-hmm. audiences on a day-to-day basis. 
um, with things like sexual abuse or mental health yeah. or I mean just and any sort of hot button issue. Um, you're going to see artists sort of putting themselves out there to, you know, put their opinions and their personal experiences on the issue out there because I think yeah. I think it relates so directly to their fans. So, you know, how how do you feel like artists in this day and age are adjusting to to that constant communication with their fans? Um, and how do you think as a publicist sort of do you think encouraging that sort of honest conversation is something that's going to help artists stand out and make those connections a little easier? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, that's, I love that about social media, you know, there's a lot of problems with it and it causes a lot of division and you see a lot of just political turmoil, social turmoil. And, um, there's definitely, I have my qualms with social media. Um, I, definitely have to take myself away from it from time to time but um you know and it's kind of a cliche but like social media originally was designed to in a way start revolutions faster right um you look at like modern day movements a lot of them started with a hashtag you look at the me too movement you look at the black lives matter movement you know no matter what your stance is on either of those like you can agree that they went viral with a hashtag with people just sharing the story and putting a hashtag um, when that comes to musicians, I think it's great. I think it's really, really great. Of course, um, just like with any professional, um, you know, I don't, I have like a thousand followers on Twitter or something and I'm following like 3000, you know, but even I have to be careful about what I post. Um, right. But yeah, with, uh, musicians and artists, I definitely encourage that. I think connecting with your fans is the most important thing that a musician can do because, um, I think there can be a disconnect between um, someone who listens to music and um, the person on stage performing it or the person, um, you know, that's streaming through your speakers. There, It can be hard to dissolve that barrier. You know, sure, they can connect with your lyrics or, you know, the beats that you're producing or the cadences or, you know, the vibe of your craft. But um, it's it's nice to know that you're not alone in your struggle and you can connect with these people who seem like they're basically our idols. You know, we look up to them. We're playing their music all the time and we see them living these lavish lives, touring the world and playing at Coachella. And we kind of forget that they're human. And I think that seeing them on social media and posting, you know, maybe like more times than they should a day just kind of makes them feel like they're humans. And um, I think that being yourself as an artist really is one of the most important things that you can do. Um, I recently started working with um, an electronic producer from Boulder. Um, he's called So Down, and he is one of the most just like organic people I've ever met in my life. Like he ha- he does not put on a facade at all. He is just raw. And the first time I met him, I was in a green room at a show. I honestly wasn't supposed to be back there, but I just was there anyways. <laughs> Gotta make the moves. Um, I made the move, yeah. And I was just like back there like drinking with my friend and um, so down. He came in there and I started talking to him. And like, I, this is before I worked with him and we were like just kind of drunk and we were talking in like British accents to each other <laughs> and like kind of arguing about the concept of a, what, how you would define a liaison 
<laughs> and um, a liaison. Yeah I, yeah, I can't even do the accent. <laughs> I'm not going to even try. And like we were like all the way across the green room talking about this. And people were like, these people don't even know each other. <laughs> but we were able to dissolve that barrier like that just because he was just engaging in a conversation with another kind of drunk person at a party. And if you go to his Instagram, there's just pictures of him like kind of like pushing his beer belly out a little bit and like just kind of like not afraid to make a fool of himself, not afraid to just have fun with it. And that's my favorite thing about working with him is that he's just fun. He's funny. He's humorous. He's not afraid to be himself. And when it comes down to issues that matter, he's not afraid to um, make a stance on that. And I think even if that pushes people away from him, um, that's okay because the, the ones that are sticking around, that's creating his core fan base, you know? Putting out the way you feel about a certain topic or, you know, just even saying what you ate for breakfast this morning. Um, that that kind of helps create that that core fan group that's going to be there throughout the entirety of your career as a musician or any creative. Yeah, I mean, I... I really think that being personable and just being yourself is the key factor to making it. Because if you start putting on a facade, then I think I think we live in an age where people can see through that really quickly nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to sort of put on a an act just because of the fact that everyone yeah. is so tuned into everything you do on social media. Like if they feel like you're being disingenuous, they're going to call you out for it you know your fans aren't aren't gonna follow you anymore because they think that you're you're being fake or you're being faux woke or Mm -hmm. whatever you know what i mean like if you're not really woke then don't try to be like you know like yeah (laughs) um so yeah it's 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 an interesting balance and do you see you as a publicist when you encourage that personability that honesty from your artists do you see that immediately relate to um some of those curators some of those playlist makers out there like the new wave of how music is getting out there do you see the people in charge of that or the ones that are heading that sort of no latch on to the personability and and is that more attractive yeah i think so um with with smaller musicians though um so like we work with some pretty top tier um producers we typically work with electronic music producers so our biggest names right now are probably um definitely tommy and mala um really big right now matt zoe he's kind of been around for a while i consider him a pioneer honestly um alexander lewis is another one that we work with he's pretty big haywire um who else um manila killa hotel garuda but we also work with People who only, and that's like kind of where I come in is I'm, I'm a new publicist. You know, I've been doing it for a year, but um, I'm still new to it. And so I work with a lot of smaller artists because I feel like that's what makes sense for me to start developing relationships with people who are kind of at the same caliber as me in their own respective occupation in the music industry. Um, so, well, yeah, I do encourage that um, organic and open dialect on social media and just kind of generally, um, it can be kind of hard to get people engaging with that. So part of my job as a publicist is to kind of package up their dialect, their persona, 
their entire vibe and their mantra and their goal as an artist and as a person and as a creative, kind of package that up, tie it up with a nice little bow, and then send it out to people. So kind of another part of the job of being a publicist is when your client only has 3,000 followers on Twitter and someone who's in the same genre has 10,000 followers, um, people are going to be engaging more with who has 10,000 followers. So my job as a publicist is to take that person that has 3,000 followers, come up with a way to put it in a good sentence and a good press release, and then send it out to other people and be like, yo, look at what this guy's saying. Look at what this guy's doing. And look at how he's maybe doing it a little bit differently than that guy that had 10,000 followers. So um, a lot of my job is to kind of take what people are saying from an artist who haven't heard it yet, kind of restate it in a way that's a little bit more professional and articulate, um, just kind of take it out of like Twitter and social media terms and send it out to other people so that that way they can, you know, hopefully hit the follow button and give it a write-up and add it to their Spotify playlist and so on. That's got to be a lot of pressure too to sort of have all that power in your hands. And if you, you know, if you miscommunicate something, to whoever the target audience is, you know, that could sabotage an entire, you know, an entire press release. And maybe, you know, like, like just having, knowing that what you're typing up could be the game changer for this artist or could be the, the ender for this mm-hmm. artist is, is tough. Or even just to do nothing, you know, even right. to just run a campaign and nothing bad happened and nothing good happened. Like, that's a failure to me, too. Um, gosh, honestly, just even talking about it, I don't really get the chance to really articulate this a lot except for just within uh, my internal team and my other close publicist friends, but it's so hard. It is seriously a difficult, difficult thing. And of course, I'm not um, a manager. I'm not on the distribution side of things. So I can't really say this confidently, but I genuinely believe that being a publicist is one of the hardest positions in the music industry. Not only is everyone in the music industry telling you that nobody needs PR and music anymore, but when people do come to you, they're like, all right, we want Billboard to premiere the song. We want to be on Spotify's New Music Friday. We want 20 top tier blogs and like just all of these like really just kind of outlandish expectations right and you have to like sort of break it to them that listen you can't just come to us and expect that you're going to get billboard right off the bat that you're going to get new music friday off the bat what we're trying to do is build these relationships together represent you for a long enough time to where people recognize oh kids waste works with david kim and david kim just reached out to me and you know building these this sort of report with an artist to eventually get them on billboard and that's how it works but it's really hard to tell a manager that because they don't quite understand they see a pr firm as someone who has the connects and will make right. it happen someone who like has the magic sauce immediately yeah and we we have the ingredients for the magic sauce but we can't just put it on the stove stove and make it happen every single time. And that's a really difficult thing. And having to kind of change the direction of an entire campaign and do it while being respectful and doing it without making it seem like, oh, you know, you're dumb for thinking you could get that publication. You know, it has to be, I think that, that this campaign would 
be better suited going in this direction. And this is why I believe that. Right. And you're communicating not only with managers, but the artists themselves. You're commuting with your, uh, communicating with your team internally, you're communicating with a writer and then their editor. And then you're sometimes communicating with the distribution side of things and the label. And you're trying to convey one single message to four or five different people who are trained in completely different fields of the music industry. So I have to take this one concept and rewire it five different ways. And if it gets lost in translation somewhere, then then there's, you know, pieces that are missing and dots that aren't connected and they have to be connected in order to really um, execute a good PR campaign. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, it is really hard. I I feel for you for sure. Um, and like, yeah, like like you said, you can't just put the sauce on mm-hmm. the stove and, and expect it to magically taste delicious without someone actively stirring and being, you know, involved in the process every step of the way. And that takes time. So it's, yeah, it's like that balance of, okay, we also want you to be on Billboard. You know, like, yeah, that would be yeah. great for us and yeah. for you. It's it's not like we're not mm-hmm. striving for that, but we have to be realistic too. You know, we got to start with making sure people even know who you are. We can't just exactly. be like, hey, Billboard, here is, you know, the brand new music from so-and-so. They're going to be like, yeah, thanks. We really, we got a million of these emails today. So yeah, it's like building that rapport for sure. So the last thing I wanted to touch on is I feel like you have a lot of great ideas and you're really tapped into where the whole music publication industry is going. So I guess, how do you see yourself leading that charge of change in the industry and I guess just hit on those main points again of what you see being the biggest changes and how you think publicists and PR firms should adapt. So I am so lucky that I have the boss that I have. Um, he, I genuinely, and I'm not just saying this because he's my boss and I work for him. Right. But he, I think right now is the best music publicist in the electronic music genre. Like, I mean, and obviously we're not working with like Odessa and like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that's because they don't need publicists. Like they just don't need that. But um, I'm confident that David Kim is the best, the best in the game right now. And um, it's been about a year since I've worked with him and he has given me this, he has built this space for me to grow into whatever I want to be. That's so the cool. The best version of it. And he's like, the, like DKP is a startup, but he used to work for a PR for, firm called uh, Magnum PR, who has worked with like, his boss at the time had worked with like Daft Punk, oh, Nine Inch Nails. like Amazing. Yeah, like the best. Um, so he's no stranger to PR. He's been doing it for about 10 years. And he kind of just got tired of the nine to five and was like, I'm good enough to do this on my own. And we've built this incredible roster. And he's just an incredible leader with these. He doesn't micromanage, but he is there when we need him. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that I follow him blindly, but I believe in him so much. And I believe in the company so much that, um, I know this is kind of like not really the answer to your question. <laughs> Um, David is just so good at what he does that I think we're all just kind of working together. Um, I don't want to say underneath David, but alongside him to, to kind of start doing things that are bigger than 
um, just editorials. You know, I want to start doing, I want to start working with people who are on Instagram who are posting their art every day, you know, especially like this is one um, specific idea that I have. I follow this artist on Instagram and I can't remember her at off of the top of my head, unfortunately, but she does these super like kitschy like animations and she always has um, a song playing in the background. And I'm thinking about reaching out to her, introducing myself to her and just saying like, you know, what kind of music do you like? What are you into? Because maybe I can send you some of my clients music and you can put it in some of your animations and put it on your Instagram. And she, you know, you know, she has like 700,000 followers. So wow. That's that's kind of where I'm trying to go with that. And I was uh I, I was about to say she's a micro influencer, but seven hundred thousand isn't isn't very micro. That's yeah. That's, that's pretty macro. <laughs> yeah, and she just has her email sitting right there. And I don't really think that um any other publicists right now are thinking about that, about going onto Instagram and kind of looking at these like um visually based Instagrams based off of someone's um art and their style. And partnering with them, like, let's put our clients' music behind their artwork. That's good for her, it's good for us, and it's good for our artists. Um, and another thing that I've been thinking about doing, just to kind of give you another specific, is... Um, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't totally solidified if I'm going to do it or not, but um, I'm thinking about reaching out to more high-tier editors and writers at, um, like, The Fader and... Up rocks and spin and nylon and paper and all of these kind of um, heavier hitting publications and doing what I'm going to call a tastemaker chat, where I basically just reach out to them and kind of ask them questions and ask them to send over a playlist of the music that they like. So that way I kind of become like a human music discovery platform for them. You know, I don't want to waste somebody's time by being like, hey, here's this like, trap remix of nirvana which is like a real thing that i did once um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh you know i don't want to send that to someone who really just wants to listen to like disco funk you know right so i want to kind of be a medium between what somebody likes and um our artists i love that well i think it just gets down to like we said earlier people are taking command of the content they want to see on a very, very specific level. And so it's tapping into that and being aware of what are people consuming right now? What's hot right now? Like, mm-hmm. like should we put this song under a Fortnite compilation? You know, like, that sounds that sounds yeah. silly, but at the end of the day, like... No, like, people are already doing it. Like, my friend that's a publicist is doing that right now. It's awesome. Yeah, and and so, like, someone might laugh it off as, like, that is BS, like, I, that mm-hmm. isn't real content. But at the end of the day, no, it is, because people are watching that with millions and millions of views like people are watching whatever like you said those little kitschy animations and if your artist's song is underneath that and someone's like oh damn like that was a great song then they're gonna look it up and and there you you got yourself a genuine follower because it's tapped into the content they wanted to see in the first place so it's super cool to see that you are with that mindset you know you're, you're staying uh, you're staying ahead of the curve yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, you know. Some days I wake up and I send out all these emails and I'm like, what have I even done today? Right. But then there are other days, um, you know, for me, I feel like it's got to be this, it's got to be a constant upward trajectory, but you have to be okay with like, you know, hitting a new high and then kind of hitting a plateau. Um, 
But as long as you hit another high, then that's okay. As long as you stay going upwards and you don't fall back down, um, then you're doing something good. But it's okay to feel stagnant. Um, just as long as you're still trying to push um, for the next level. Yeah, always. Well, Ali, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us this really fresh look at how to change up music publications for the better and kind of getting people's heads out of thinking, all right, I got to send a few emails and post a blog today and that'll do it. But how can you get creative with publications? I think uh, I think that's really where everything's going is creating some hashtag content. Hashtag content. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. When I got your email inviting me, I was like, let's do it. I've been wanting to be on a podcast for a while. So um, hopefully I was able to give some good insight to my side of the industry. Hopefully I wasn't uh, ranting too much, but um, I really enjoyed um, my time here talking to you and I'm looking forward to seeing what else you guys have in store. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to Wildfire today. And if you'd like to find more episodes or listen to some of our other podcasts, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.